Today is Friday, May 7th, 2021. The best way to gain self-confidence is to do what you're afraid to do. Swanti Sharma, Editor-in-Chief of Vox. This is episode 241, Uncrush Your Confidence with Cherie Dumond. It is, you know, it's not necessarily how you walk into a room, um, but that's a piece of it. Or it's not about the clothes you wear, unless you have an outfit that you like and it makes you feel confident, then wear it. You know, yeah. it's 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 something deep within you that you have built up. And one thing about confidence is once it is built up, no matter what happens on that journey, no matter how many times you trip and fall and fail, if you have true confidence, when that happens, you're going to get over it much sooner. You're gonna be okay on the other end. This is the dance of life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show, as always. Thank you so much for being here and choosing to spend a little bit of your time with me, whatever it happens to be for you, it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whenever you happen to be listening to. This is Friday for me, so happy Friday if it's Friday for you, too, as well. You're going to love my guest today. Her name is Cherie Dumond, and she is the queen of confidence. With over 20 years' experience of mentoring business and sales leaders, Cherie is a renowned expert at creating confident success and empowering others to be their best. She's a speaker, creator of the groundbreaking revolutionary program, Uncrushing Your Confidence, and the Confidence Success Circle. Cherie is passionate about helping confident warriors bust out and take courageous actions to fulfill their passions. The combination of her years of business success and confidence mindset help her clients excel to new levels of success. Today, we're going to be talking about how to conquer and uncrush your confidence. Man, I just love that phrase, uncrush your confidence. So cool. And I'm really excited to share Cherie's passion and vision with you today because confidence is something that we all struggle with. You know, self-doubt has been the story of my life. I don't know about you, but self-doubt has been a constant theme in my life. And, you know, we, we never fully conquer it in that sense. It's a practice, but definitely developing a practice of conquering it every day so you can move forward and not be paralyzed. That's the key. So that's what I'm excited to share with you in this episode. There's a lot of great things we get into. If you want to stay in touch with Cherie, uh, I'm going to post the link on the show notes for this episode. Again, this is episode 241 and you can book a session with her. So I'm going to put a link for that in the post. For this. So you go to danceoflife.com slash podcast if you want to access any kind of show notes. You can search them there. And without further ado, make sure you subscribe if this is your first time. Love to have you here. It's so exciting. You know, we, we're growing every day. So excited to have you all. If you've been here for a while, thank you. Thank you for being here. It's been a wonderful journey to be able to share so many awesome people with you, right? To have these amazing conversations and to learn every day. Learn, grow, get inspired. That's my theme. So thank you much for being here. And without further ado, let's do this. Uncrush Your Confidence with Cherie Dumond. Nice. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show. Thanks for for making it. You know, I, I love, I want to just first say that I love the whole idea of uncrushing your confidence. I think that's so cool. Thank how you. Did you come, how did you how did you come up with that? I mean, it's such a cool such a cool phrase. I really like it. Um so uncrushing your confidence um because 
when my confidence has always been crushed, when I was talking through this with one of my coaches, it was like a sucker punch. It was a gut punch. And um, from the time I was in seventh grade and through my career, when things have happened and it can either leave you crumbled in pits on the ground, or you pick yourself back up and you have the confidence to move forward and get past the self-doubt that it'll ever happen again, even if it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it just evolved and we were um, kind of doing word salad and going through it and we came across Uncrushing and um, that's actually going to be in the title of my book coming out this fall. Yeah. Congratulations. No, that's really cool. I, I think that's a solid, yeah. solid thing. People can relate to. I think everybody's dealt with that. And I'm curious in your case with, you know, you brought up something, actually a couple of things that were very, very worth speaking of. One of them is this idea that we have these traumas, you know, as, as kids, especially in elementary school, my God, I have so many, I have so many experiences from elementary school that you know, now I look back and I, you know, I kind of laugh, but for so many years, they determined, you know, my, uh, my behavior with other people, my, my confidence in myself, you know, the things that I would say to myself, it's just so silly, but it's really not because at the time that those things happen, they're so significant, you know, they're so significant at the time, our minds aren't ready for the sort of social rejection that we get as kids, you know, and so we create these ginormous stories that we live by. I'm curious, I mean, if you want to share what happened in in your case and how did that shape your journey today? What did you learn later when looking back on it about that experience as a child, if there was one in particular, like you've mentioned seventh grade? Um, but anyway, yeah, just curious. So seventh grade, my I was in my counselor's office and she's told me I would never amount to anything. Wow. Your counselor told <laughs> My counselor, my guidance counselor, great guidance. Um, You'll never amount to anything. And, you know, I had big dreams. I, I, at that time, my big dream was to be a lawyer, which that was not the career path I ever took. Um, But she, and I didn't blame her. I was getting, I was failing. I had, I could barely look someone in the eye. I was, had Gracie hair, was wearing an ACDC t-shirt nice, and, (laughs) and, you know, I, I didn't blame her. I wasn't going anywhere and she did it. Now I can look back and say, she did it to shake me up and it did. It it was, I'm going to show you, did it happen overnight? No, it didn't. It took years and years. Um, even in, in high school, I was never that kid to raise my hand. I, I would sit there and clean my glasses because I read in a magazine once, if you're cleaning your glasses, the, the teacher won't call on you. <laughs> you look smart and yeah, you, you, you did your homework. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of homework not to get called on. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, it's, you know, over the years, it just, uh, it, it's, it's amazing how your confidence at that point and a lot of girls go through it at at seventh grade and that's about the time that they have low self-esteem and if we can today pick them up at that age and help them through that and say you are normal this is everything going on in your head is normal and this is some tools you can get through it it can make a huge difference in the next generation you know it's interesting i i'm reminded now of this like totally random study I don't remember even when you, you're probably more familiar with these kind of things than I am, but I remember a long time ago, I read something about, it was in my psychology classes when I was in school and it was something about how with girls, especially obviously, because there's a lot of physical changes that happen uh, around that time in seventh grade that the girls who were developing earlier, right? So they were kind of hitting puberty earlier and sort of developing earlier actually had some social issues because of that, you know, or there was some sort of, some sort of study looking at the social issues that came up because of, you know, the timing of the development of their physical bodies and how that sort of ostracized girls or created, you know, just all these kind of different social issues that the other ones who were, you know, supposedly whatever on a a 
regular timing, whatever that is, didn't have. You know, so it's just interesting how we have these these pains socially. I mean, this is kind of a different topic, but they're kind of related. The social pain is just it's just as bad as that physical pain, right? I mean, the the brain sort of reacts mm-hmm. to rejection, and uh, you know, like when you said in the beginning when, when my confidence was like crushed, I just felt this like, you know, internal, and it's true. Like we feel like actual, you know, this this deep sense of pain when we fail, you know, or when we're rejected or we don't fit in or we don't lose connection in some way. It's just so interesting. Yeah. And it makes sense. You know, the, the girls that are developing earlier at that age, they're different than everyone else. And they, you don't want to stand out at that age. Some people still don't want to stand out yeah. when they're in in their careers. They they want to be at the back of the room or the back of the boardroom. Others don't. They want to stand up and be, you know, hear my voice that I hear every day from people that I don't want my voice heard. I, I don't want to be a voice at that table, at mm. the corporate table. Um, and in today's day and age, you have to you have to have the confidence and get over your self-doubt and your fear and put yourself out there or you'll never make it to the next level of your career. You'll be stuck. And I hear a lot of frozen and stuck. Those are two words that I hear on a daily basis. You know, it's, gosh, it's so, so true. And it's so important because you brought up something. There's a book, God, I forget the name of the book right now. It's such a good book, but it talks about something called self-betrayal, excuse me. And I'm sure you probably are familiar with that, but I I can't remember the name of the book. And it's like a story, you know, it's a, it's a story about a leader in a company and he's like training this other guy and they're learning all these things. And anyway, they talk about this thing called self-betrayal. I'll have to find the name of the book, but self-betrayal is just this idea that we, we have something in our heart that we want, but we choose against it anyway right? Out of fear, out of, you know, out of sense of whatever, you know, it's insecurity, it's not going to work out, doubt, whatever it is. But this sort of creates this cognitive dissonance in our minds and we just live in this dissonant state constantly. And so that dissonant state is just such a source of chronic stress because you know you're living a lie. I mean, you you aren't living what you want because, you know, you're afraid to take action or whatever else. And so uh, self-betrayal is huge. I mean, certainly... I think everybody can relate to that. In my life, doubt has been the theme of my life is reconciling how much doubt is necessary because some of it's useful, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. know, if we didn't if we didn't have doubt, we wouldn't have science, you know. <laughs> so, That's so, doubt, true. so doubt is is good, but I guess, you know, one question I have for you is there's so many. I mean, doubt is such a great topic to talk about, but one of them is, you know, how, you know how do you balance, you know, how do you know when doubt is a good thing and when it's not a good thing? Like, how do you know when you're too being too doubtful or not doubting enough? Let's put it that way. Well, it, it's, a, it is a yin and a yang, a balance yeah. um, piece. You know, there, yes, doubt there, a little bit of doubt is good. I always use a gut check because I know in my gut that when things are right and when things aren't and when I'm holding myself back. And a lot of times if my stomach is flipping and flopping all over the place, it probably is a good thing for me because Mm. I will never get to what my dream is and what I'm, I'm living my dream, but you know, I will never get to that next level if I don't take that step. Mm. And we we do need self-doubt. We do need fear to keep us safe to a certain point, but more and more, I see people saying, I can't do that. And I won't do it. And I'll make a list of excuses of 20 things why I can't do that. Some of my clients, I make them make that list. Mm. And then let's go through each of those. And are these rational? Are these, are these really, are you going to let this hold you back? And most of the time, no. It's interesting. I had a friend who went to a uh, a leadership type of event just a couple of years ago, and they did a similar exercise, which was very interesting. It was sort of like to 
to exhaust you mentally to the point where you realize that everything's just made up in language, you know? So they, they, I think it was something like, you know, make a, make a list of like, pick something that's really important to you, you know, why you're doing it and make a list of, you know, the 10 reasons, you know, why it's, you're doing it or why it's important to you. And so they did that. And then, all right, now throw that list away. Now make another list of 10, you know, they do that literally for like an hour and, you know, it's like until one point there, they did it. I think until people were just like, why are we doing this? Like, you know, he's like, yeah, exactly. You know, you can see like your, any reason you make up is just something that you make up in the moment. And it's sure, you know, it can be important to you, but ultimately, uh, you know, we create those things in our minds with language. And so what that means is you can recreate, right? So I think that whole writing out your excuses is a great idea because I think a lot of times we, the things that hold us back are usually invisible, right? I mean, you know, once you see the ugliness of the thing that's holding you back, you don't really want to do it anymore. But as long as it stays invisible, yeah. you know, then it holds its power. So I think that's really powerful to be able to actually confront your own reasons and write them down, even if they're, you know, quote unquote, uh, you know, silly or, or just disempowering, let's put it that way. So. Yeah, disempowering is is a good word. I always say when you're writing and and doing that plus minus kind of list like that, you also work on rewiring your brain and rethinking things through a different way. Um, you know, and that is the most powerful thing you can do. What's for you, what's been the biggest source of doubt? Like what have you struggled with the most and how did you overcome it? My biggest doubt was when I um, was in my corporate career and I I kept getting bigger and bigger gigs and you know bigger and bigger challenges, which was exciting. And I should have it should have been yes, yes, yes. This is so cool. I'm finally to this point in my career, and inside I knew my soul was dying, mm. and I but I didn't listen. And the universe, after it took about eight months, hit me upside the head five times and said, wake up, you've got to wake up and start listening. And it wasn't until my dad was in ICU and passed away that I started listening. I I started looking at what that year meant to me and said, I know I'm meant for more. I know what my talents are and I know what I want to do. And that has been my passion ever since. And that my, my biggest doubt to get over was, you know, really listening to what I knew in my soul that I wanted to do. Did you end up like quitting after that, like right away, or was it sort of a more like strategic leave? Like, how did you manage that breakthrough? I, I'm a very strategic person. So yeah. nothing happens. <laughs> nothing drastic. <yeah. laughs> nothing drastic. <laughs> I'm conservative and nothing yeah. drastic, but at least I made a plan. I had a process. I knew who to hire to help me get there. And uh, I had my expertise was going into corporations and starting new divisions for them. So starting a business was not scary to me. Yeah. It was, you know and having the confidence to do it, but it was, you still need someone there holding your hand to help you get to the next level. And that's what, where I got coaches that helped me with the marketing. I, I never had to market. I had corporations marketing my stuff for me. So I just had to build the businesses. That part was easy. So it it was a process, Um, but started with a plan. But see, I, you know, I think that's important though. And I'm glad that you highlighted that because, um, you know, and I can relate to this too, but I probably have a few experiences where I I didn't have a plan, you know, and that wasn't the best, <laughs> that wasn't the best choice, honestly. I mean, in the end, you know, life is good and it works out. I, I believe it always works out, but, uh, you know, I think that definitely there's a value to, because when you, when you realize something like that, right? So when you have, let's say this sort of realization, like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm living a lie. Like I can't be doing this anymore. 
you don't go back from that. You know, awareness doesn't travel mm-hmm. backwards, you know? And so uh, for some people, you know, the incongruence of continuing that lie is very difficult. And so, you know, they're, they have to like just jump right away and leave. And that's not always the best thing either, because it can, you know, you can ping pong and sort of go in the opposite direction and burn out and sort of, you know, have a, a lot of other negative experiences. And so I think that having a plan to balance sort of that breakthrough and, and that energy side of things, right. Of like, okay, I need to be heart driven and then do what I love to do. I think that's very important. And sometimes we forget that. I know I have in my, in my own ping pong journey. And that was, uh, you know, it was, like I said, everything works out in the end. And I guess we all have our path to walk, but there's definitely a value to strategizing it as well. Yeah, there, there definitely is, but you're right. Once you become aware, there is no going back and you just, you have to let that come out and you have to figure out, okay, what, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? And that doesn't happen overnight. It's a, it's a trial and fail trial and move forward. You know, you don't, you never succeed on the first try. And failure is part of this and it's part of the journey, but you learn from it and go, okay, that didn't work. So this time when I do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to do this differently, tweak it here and there, and then move on. And hopefully that succeeds, but it doesn't always. I'm curious what your take on the idea of being ready is, you know, for me, uh, I haven't done too much of this lately with, with training people how to compete and dance anymore, but I did that for a very long time. And, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, it was so much fun, especially with beginners that had never competed in their life. I mean, you're talking about, you know, let's say you take a woman who's a professional woman in her 45, 50, and then it's like, okay, let's put you half naked in front of a bunch of people and, you know, doing all kinds of moves and all stuff, you know, you know, that's, that's a talk about, you know, confidence, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so the biggest thing that you always hear and any person who is any kind of performance sport or even speaking, anything, obviously it's always like, you know, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And, you know, there is an element to preparedness. I would say that, you know, in any kind of discipline, you need sort of the the technical aspect, or I should say uh, the functional aspect, because technique, you can never perfect that. There's always a a new layer, but you know, there's also, you know, and that, that's a matter of like who, what, where, when, how, that's just all like the Mm -hmm. details. But then there's just this element of yes and no. It's a binary, like, I'm just ready. I'm ready to do this. And yes, there's going to be mistakes. Yes. There's going to be, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but mentally, spiritually, emotionally, I'm ready. Or, you know what? I, I just, I don't feel ready. And it's not because of anything else. I'm just, I'm not there yet. You know? So and I think we sometimes confuse those two states, meaning readiness in the binary sense of like, okay, spiritually, I'm like ready or not, or, you know, readiness and being, especially if you're a perfectionist, like I'm a perfectionist. And that, that was, you know, a huge journey for me is to learn, okay, you know, it's good enough. <laughs> you know, let's just, <laughs> let's pull the trigger and go, you know, and that I'm sure you can relate to that too. So I think a lot of people, that's one place where they get hung up in taking action and creating that confidence because it is a journey is getting stuck on I'm not ready. So what's your take on that? Yeah, um, <laughs> I totally agree. There's two pieces of it. You know, there is, yeah, I'm ready in my soul, but not being ready. And I, I am the same issue. I have years hidden behind my being a perfectionist. Yeah. And uh, I always say perfectionism is another word for procrastination so Mm, you know it's easy to procrastinate because you want it to be perfect i i was um i'm working on storytelling because i'm writing a book so you know storytelling and and having all of these stories and i keep putting it off and putting it off because i want it to be perfect well, that's, I'm really procrastinating. <laughs> when I finally sat down and started writing today, things were pouring out of me and there it's not perfect. It looks crappy, but it'll, it's good enough for today. Yeah. And you just have to move on. 
you know, when you're making life decisions, like changing, you know, what, what the direction of your life, that takes a lot of soul searching. I mean, you know, in your soul, you want to do it, but it has to be right for your, your situation. You know, do you have a family to support? Do you need this? Do you need that? And what can you give up to do that? Or what can you add to do that? And, you know, every situation is different. And every one of my clients, it's always different for them. It's interesting because I think with perfectionment, especially one thing that I have experienced, and you can share what you feel about this, but momentum is very like, cause you brought up writing and I just finished writing a monstrous book last year. And now I'm kind of just wrapping up all the audio books and, you know, all the other crap with it. And it's just like been such a huge project. Like, you know, I tell people, I'm like, nothing worth your while is ever a logical decision. If, <laughs> if you true. were, if you were to conceptually understand like every detail of the inspiring things that you want to do in your life, you would never do them because there's just too much crap to deal with. You know, like with this book, I mean, writing, and you can relate to this. It's like when you sit down to write, I'm done with it, the writing part, obviously, but it was, it was a marathon. I mean, I'm thankful that I had the circumstances in my life where I could literally just sit down every day and write. And that's all I had to do. I had no other responsibility other than eat, go to the bathroom and write. And, and the thing is, if, if you don't have momentum, then you get choked because a lot of the, you know, I mean, this is a physical principle, but a lot of the energy that we waste is on stopping and starting, stopping and starting and accelerating and getting to that sort of, you know, optimum sort of speed. Right. But, you know, if you kind of start a little bit, but ah, no, it's not good. It's not good enough. You know, I need to re- let me edit it again. And you stay, you stay on that, you know, for like three days, you lose your momentum and you just yeah. never get there. So there's a certain level of momentum. And I think writing is just an easy example, but I think it applies to everything. It's just a certain level of momentum that's needed to just like break through that. I think of like electron shells. It's just super nerdy, but it's just the way my mind works. Like I remember these lessons we used to have in elementary school where they would talk about electrons jumping to the next level. And it's not a linear thing. It's like literally there's potential, 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 and then boom, it goes to the next level, you know? So it's like the same thing here. Mm-hmm. I feel like in life, we sort of emulate, you know, the, the laws of the universe. And it's just like, we have to build that momentum so we can break through to a new level. And then you, then the details catch up and then you break through a new level and the details catch up. So I know what your take on all that is. Yeah. Well, I totally agree that you need momentum and the stop and start, stop and start. You you need consistency. Yeah. And that's exactly what you were talking about is the consistency of, of keep going and keep moving forward and doing and taking those actions every single day. If not, you're, you're just going to, um, make yeah you'll make a little progress but never the progress you want to make to get you to your goals it's always just baby steps how do you you know is there anything in particular that you how do i phrase this like i mean how do you manage your perfectionism like how do you because like even today i'm i'm still a perfectionist and i've learned to embrace it and there's a part of me that i I love as a perfectionist because I'm very rigorous with the details and I don't, you know, I follow up on everything. I follow through. I try my best to be very thorough and I, and I respect those qualities in other people too. So those aren't things that I want to get rid of because I think that they're very good, but you know, obviously I've also learned to sort of say, okay, you know, choose my battles, (laughs) you know, like it's good (laughs) enough, you know, I'm done, you know, I'm wasting my energy now. So, you know, that's certainly a dance and you learn to, feel that barometer, but is there anything specifically that you have done for yourself or have helped other people, any exercises or any kind of ideas to help them with that journey of sort of, you know, managing your perfectionism and again, not getting rid of it because I think there's value to those qualities, but really embracing it, holding space for it, uh, managing it, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm the same way. I, I want, every I dotted T crossed and follow up. It's so good. It's so nice. It's nice and even. (laughs) Yeah. You need that. You, you have to have that. And 
you know, it's about trust. You know what it is? It's about trust because I'll tell you one thing, like I had, you know, this is a sore spot for me, not a sore spot, but like, you know, it's really important because especially in the day and age we live in, I think this will definitely tie into what we're talking about. And you can, you can tie into this too, but you know, we live in a very impersonal age. Like when you go online and you meet somebody's brand through a website, you're not talking to them personally. So you don't get that human connection necessarily. So we have to do our best through images and systems and all these different paragraphs and layouts to sort of reproduce the consciousness who is me talking to you, you know, and that's, that's always going to be an imperfect model, but you know, that's why details matter because if it's, if it's ugly, it's clean, it's clunky, it's, you know, this will tie into all the branding stuff we can talk about later, but all that stuff to me, like if I see that and I see some clunky stuff, I'm like, uh, immediately I lose trust. Like if I go to somebody's website and it's not even developed or something like the other day, I got invited to, uh, to put some courses on this online website, you know, and I'm like, okay, sure. Why not? You know, I'll get some passive revenue. That's good to me. I go on there and the website's just like not even finished. I mean, it's just terrible. You know, I, I'm like, all right, let me, let me not be a perfectionist. Let me give it a benefit of the doubt. I log in. It's just like, you see more red flags. I'm like, you know what? No, this is BS. I'm not going to deal with this, you know? So I, anyway, sorry to cut you off there, but I think it's about trust. That's why it's so important to, yeah. to have those things, you know? So it, it is. And you do need a certain level of it. You don't have to have it take over and keep you stuck. Yeah. You know, a lot of people just stay in the perfectionism and don't let it they stay there. They're stuck there. I, I always think of perfectionism as cement keeping you there mm. and not letting you move forward. Yeah. A little sprinkle of cement here and there is a good thing. We, yeah. we need cement, especially on our keeps foundation. The bricks together. <laughs> yeah. It keeps the bricks together. I'm not a builder, but yeah, that that's it. Uh, but you know, it, it can totally paralyze you and not let you move forward. And it, one of the things I start with is becoming aware of it because I didn't, I didn't think it was perfectionism when I, um, years ago, when I identified this, it would in myself, it was like, no, it, it's not perfectionism. It's, it's trust and it's control because I want control over everything mm. and, and being aware and being self-aware that that is what I'm doing or I'm always trying to manage things. That's another thing I I tend to do is I always have to manage everything. You know, by doing that, I'm not letting my true self come out and I'm not letting my passion come out. I'm I'm not getting to the next level where I want to. And I see that a lot of people that happening with and um, not being able to move so first, first of all, is being self-aware and being aware when it happens, you know, not just, oh yeah, I probably have that, but when it happens, go, oh yeah, I need to step back. I, I'm, this is what I'm doing. It, it's like the storytelling. I knew, I knew I was <laughs> procrastinating. I knew I wanted it perfect. And I was swirling around in my head, not to put it on paper. But as soon as I did, it it just started coming out and, you know, it'll, it's good enough for right now. And so many great things there. And I mean, especially with having the confidence to, to look at yourself and say, you know what, I'm controlling things, you know, I, that's, that's, that's a big one. I mean, I can relate to that too. And it's not an easy thing to admit because control is such a fundamental thing that we want. It's an illusion because you can't really control anything fully, but we, but we want it so bad and it's hard to admit that it really is to, so, you know, kudos to you for that because that's a big realization. I'm curious, was there anything that kind of pops to mind? Anything that happened in your career, you know, maybe relationships, different things that helped you realize that? Like, is there one particular experience that you want to share that made you realize, okay, you know, control is, is kind of withering away my life here. So maybe that I need to kind of dial it back a little bit. Well, control was going to rule, rule my dreams. I, Mm -hmm. I was starting out my career and I knew that I needed to get to the next level. 
I needed to hop on a plane a lot. Yeah. Uh, not even a little bit, a lot. And I hated That's flying. That's rough. That's rough. <laughs> I, I, I was scared to death of flying. And it came from my childhood because my mom hated flying. But I learned that it was really a control thing. It was mm. about me wanting to control everything and, and you're in a plane. You can't, there's no control yeah. over it, anything except your I have your a friend who has exactly the same problem. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> the seatbelt. technically safer than driving though, right? I mean, I think- uh, It is. Right, but yeah, but no, <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't going to do it unless I learned to give up that control. And, mm. and you know, a, again, knowing- that that was the issue. And once I got over it, I mean, a couple of years ago, I hit a million miles on my favorite airline. You wow. know, I, I am a flyer. I fly everywhere. Um, and it's, it doesn't bother me anymore. Knock on wood. I haven't been on a plane in a year, but <laughs> we'll see what happens when we go to um, post COVID. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't imagine traveling right now. It's just so silly with everything. It is. It is. Yeah. I can't either. It's I, I miss going places, but yeah. It'll be nice. It'll be nice. Once all this stuff is uh, out of the picture and we can get back to exploring the world. You know, that's yes. what, there's so many places in the world to see. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Every day I'm, you know, seeing some, uh, you know, I have these feeds on my Facebook feed that are like exotic locations, you know, just <laughs> something to forget <laughs> the, <laughs> the present day, but it's just, I'm like, wow, like this is, this is on earth. Like, this is crazy. You know, this is like, say truth is stranger than fiction. Right. I mean, there's just some really yeah. alien looking play. I mean, so interesting. Like those beaches, I would love to go one of those beaches with the uh, glow in the dark plankton. That's one of my goals. Oh, wow. I don't know if you've yeah. seen that, but it's just like, it's totally magical. I mean, it just, it's like, wow. I mean, I'm an avatar right now, you know, some on alien planet. I mean, it's just totally crazy. So looking forward yeah, to that. Yeah. Looking forward to the madness getting away. Yeah. Well, you you I mentioned, have... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, you, you mentioned something that I want to also touch back. We kind of, uh, earlier on when you're talking about your career and how you were getting, you know, more and more successful, but you didn't really feel aligned with that situation. And, and one thing I think a lot of people struggle with is imposter syndrome. So for people that don't know what that is, you know, and maybe are struggling with it, <laughs> could you explain what that is and how you help people overcome that? Yeah. So, um, there, there's a lot of different techniques to overcome it. And it, it really depends what it is. It, a lot, a lot of it is something that we've already talked about. It, you keep saying that you're not good enough. You have that self-doubt within you. Um, so what imposter syndrome, let me start there, is, is really that you don't think you're, you're good enough. You don't think you're ready. It, it, self-doubt, perfectionism, all of the stuff we talked about so far, it all rolls up into imposter syndrome. And some of the most famous people in the world have imposter syndrome. Um, Natalie Portman, the actress, she doesn't think she's good enough. She thinks that someday they're going to come in and take her Oscars Isn't because they're going to figure out she's a fraud. <laughs> yeah. Um, Glenn Close, um, Meryl Streep. So, and men suffer from it as much as women. Yeah. That they, in the back of their brain over and over, they're just saying, I'm not I'm not good enough. And it, there's, and I'm not a psychologist, but there are some psychological reasons that this all can happen and can lead down some very destructive behavior with eating disorders and other things. Uh, but most of us can figure out that there are coping mechanisms to remind ourselves that we are good enough. And, and one easy, simple thing to start out with is writing down your daily successes, your daily accomplishments. What, what did I do great today? I, I have a journal on my desk. It, one of the things I do before I finish every single day is my successes. What did I do? What did I, you know, what was, remind myself that 
I am good enough. I am. Mm -hmm. No one's going to come and take this away from me. No one's going to come and take your Oscars away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm still looking for those. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's so important. And I I think writing also, uh, is very important because, you know, there's a lot of research on how that is, you know, really good for your brain and memory to kind of cement things down rather than just thinking about it. So, uh, but you mentioned also something that I want to touch on, I guess, indirectly, but I think with imposter syndrome, you know, comparison to me, especially coming from my background in competition and as a, you know, a very subjective type of competition, it's very aesthetic and things like that. So one of the things that I learned to manage and certainly at least be aware of, I'm not, I don't feel I'm a master at it, but, you know, I think being aware is very important is comparison, you know, and understanding like what is healthy comparison, what is unhealthy comparison. And a lot of times uh, I remember, especially when I would train people, you know, I mean, you can imagine a room full of, you know, women, let's put it that way. And and they're all eyeing each other up and they're all half naked and evaluating, comparing, and why is her dress, you know, hotter than mine. And it's just all these things. (laughs) And it's just, you know, these are maybe silly examples to some people that can't relate to it, but really I think it's, it's a very primal thing that we compare each other uh, ourselves and it's, it doesn't always lead to the best outcome. You know, I would say most of the time we aren't aware that our comparisons are unfair comparisons. You know, I remember I, I, I went to this self-improvement event one day. Actually it was like a networking event and they had like these speakers, you know, these motivational speakers. This was a few years ago and I hadn't even started my podcast and I was kind of like wanting to do a career change. I was thinking about, you know, going to more speaking and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you see these guys that have been doing it for like 20 years. And I told, I just, the thing that was so inspiring to me, like to try to do in my future after seeing somebody who'd been doing it for a while and comparing myself unfairly, I suffered like this major imposter syndrome. Like, Oh man, I'm never going to be able to do that. Like, why, you know, it's just, it's so crazy, you know? And so I think back to that, but you know, it can be anywhere. That's my point. You know, I brought up the dancing example, but I think everybody can relate to comparing yourself unfairly. So my question to you is, you know, what's your experience with that? How do you, how do you manage that? How do you navigate unfair comparisons? How do you help people use comparison in a healthy way? Well, a little bit of comparison is healthy. And, um, you know, I, I was at a mastermind a few years ago and it was, um, I was standing to get my picture taken next to the person that was doing this event that she's, she's very glamorous, very beautiful. And I was standing next to her and I was like comparing myself to her because I you know, you want to be that, you want to be that successful. And, um, I was feeling, she was wearing really high heels. So I was feeling short, fat, uninspired. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not inspiring to anyone. She's inspiring to everyone. I'm never going to be that way, Mm. but it also triggered a good comparison because I, the next day started a new program and exercise and diet program and lost 35 pounds. So, you know, that, that was a good comparison, you know, sometimes it's not always. And, but I always tell people that you don't know the journey that someone else has been on. You don't know what they have gone through. We're all unique. We all have unique journeys and unique stories and unique value that we bring to the table that's what makes this whole industry so exciting is every one of us is different. And it is what you relate to your clients and to each other. But I could never compare myself to you because you've been on a different journey. You've had different successes and I've had different successes. And it's always looking whenever I find myself comparing to someone else, And I tell my clients this, do you know what their journey is? And ask them, what's your journey? What what got you here? You know, it'll help make you feel better and stop the comparison. Because I do see a lot of people comparing themselves. Why 
why did they make it here and I'm still down here? Yeah. Everyone has a different journey. And it, it's some of some people it takes more of a travel through that journey to get to where they want to be and to their goals. Others, it's easy, but there are different reasons why. Well, they say don't be uh don't be jealous or envious of someone's successes because you don't know their trials that they, yeah. you know, even past trials or future trials, you know, somebody just, let's say won the lottery. I mean, that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, you, you don't know no. what, you don't know what, you know, what uh, trouble lies ahead of them on their path for all that new money that's coming into life. I mean, so it's a very interesting thing how we get wrapped up in these, uh, these ideas. Well, here's another question for you. How do you distinguish between arrogance and confidence? Wow. That, that's a question I've never had. Um, mm. um, you know, arrogance is um, being self-centered. I don't think of confidence and don't define confidence as being so inward. It is having the strength inward and in you and belief in you, mm-hmm. but it's not to squash someone else. Ar- arrogance, I think of, of people squashing other people and and doing it for the non-good. Mm. It is, you know, it's not necessarily how you walk into a room, um, but that's a piece of it. Or it's not about the clothes you wear unless you have an outfit that you like and it makes you feel confident, then wear it. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's something deep within you that you have built up. And one thing about confidence is once it is built up, no matter what happens on that journey, no matter how many times you trip and fall and fail, if you have true confidence, when that happens, you're going to get over it much sooner. You're going to be okay on the other end. And I always use the example of um, the first time I uh, ever got laid off in the corporate world. And it was, it was a shock. I had worked for the company for 10 years and I was going to be there. I was going to retire there. That that was, you know, corporate dream doesn't happen anymore. But I got a call saying, you need to interview for your job tomorrow. And I was shocked. I had only interviewed for promotions. I was on a trajectory upward. And um, that was a shock. And I, at that time, had the confidence to get me through the interview and get me to the other side. And although I, I did get another job within the company, I decided that it wasn't the right place for me after that whole experience. And I moved yeah. on to a, a bigger opportunity. Um, but it was that true confidence. It was that knowing that I could get to that next level. Hmm. No, it's so important because I think one, one of the stories that I've seen with, let's say somebody who's trying to be more confident or incorporate more, you know, behaviors that are, you know, confidence producing that, oh, well, that's just arrogance or, you know, that's, you know, there's sort of this almost like an excuse that we create that if we do that, then I, I'll be arrogant if I do that as well. What is, if you understood what arrogance actually is, which you put it in a very nice way, which is relating to, I think back to what we were talking about with comparison, you know, arrogance is always trying to take away something from someone else to define itself, right. To be, higher in some sense, whereas confidence is sort of self-generating. It's like, you know, it doesn't need a source. The source is within. So uh, that's just interesting. Well, here's another, here's another question for you. That's another ping pong type of duality that I'm really curious what your take on is, you know, in business, we'll use business as an an area of discussion because it's, it's an easy one, but I think this could apply for everything. In business, you know, there's sort of the skill set of being aggressive and confident and sort of that masculine energy of of being, you know, the closer. 
and following through all these things. And there's also the skill set of being nice and receptive and listening and open and a space and that stuff, right? And so I think in the journey of confidence, one of the things that I have found is that there is a dance between, you know, being <laughs> too nice or not nice enough, you know, there's, let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, and in one side, if you're, if you are the type of person that grew up, you know, too rough around the edges, life bops you on the head, then suddenly you realize, oh shit, I should have been a little nicer. And so then you become too nice, you know, and so then you become a pushover. So then, then you're like, oh man, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm too nice. I need to be, you know, meaner, you know, whatever, clothes more mm-hmm. thorough, whatever. And so there's definitely a dance there that's related to confidence because I think, you know, part of that is confidence too, because for example, with sales, a lot of people struggle in sales or, you know, you know selling themselves, you talk about career, you know, and, and sort of asking for promotion or whatever else. Some of that journey is, you know, just being a little aggressive and having, you know, not to the point obviously where it hinders you, but you have to have some of that. So what is, how do you manage that dance in, in your experience? How do you help people manage that? Well, and I love the sales because that's where my career started was in sales. And, you know, they, it was, you always have to be closing. You always yeah. have to be ABC. closing. That, <laughs> always be closing. That, always be closing. That wasn't my style. And, and yeah. I was, especially in the very beginning, I was too nice and too pushover, but mm. as my confidence grew, it, built up that I was going to be able to ask that. I I realized that, you know, in, especially in cells, it's about giving value. You know, it's about if you are giving and giving something to someone that could help them, then why wouldn't you, you know, why would you hold back? Why wouldn't you be aggressive if you need to, to get it out there. In career, I love the statistic that, you know, men often go for promotions, even if they're not ready for it. And why is that? Because they have the confidence just to say, I'm going to go for it. I'll figure it out. Women, it gets back to being a perfectionist that they have to have all everything figured out before they even apply for that job. That's why there's more male executives than women. And we've got to change that conversation. And, and I've, I know throughout my career, I mentored people with, with their careers on how to act differently, you know, telling women that they do need to pull a, a, a chair up to that table and yes, you might have to be a little more aggressive than you're necessarily comfortable with, because that's not your nature. But if this is where you want to be, these are the steps you need to take, the action you need to take to get there. And it's it's about taking action yeah. to get there. Um, I've often been told I'm a little more aggressive than I I should be, but I didn't start out that way in my career. It was built up over years because I got confident and I knew what I had to offer. I brought value and I'm going to bring it to the table and you're going to see that. So, Mm. you know, let's, let's do this dance. (laughs) That's how I walked into every job interview I've ever had. It's, um, you know, let's do this. And if you're not interested, okay, there, there'll be someone else who is. Yeah. No, that's great. I, I love that. I mean, you have to ultimately just act on what you believe. You have to take the action because either way, it's going to lead you somewhere, right? I mean, if you get rejected, okay, go to the next one. But if you never take action, then you just keep living in that stagnant, uh, you know, misaligned state. And it's just terrible. You you talk a lot about executive presence. You want to explain what that is and what that means to you? Yeah, it, it is having, you can... So if you look at the difference between the worker bees that are, um, and we need, believe me, we need everyone at the, in a corporation or in a company, we need worker bees, we need people at different levels. 
but having that presence and being dressing the part, you know, it's showing up to the table and bringing your best self. Um, I, I talk a lot about in my program uh, in when I work with people who are not only building businesses, but also building careers and want to get that next level that you have to brand yourself. Mm. You have to build your brand. You know, Oprah Winfrey is a brand. Uh, Apple is a brand. Um, Martha Stewart is a brand. And, you know, her her brand has evolved over time. And and yours should, too. We all should. We we can't stay where we were 20 years ago. And um, so branding yourself and putting yourself out there is a full package. And if you don't wear makeup and you don't put a lot of stuff on for women, it's okay. But on a Zoom meeting, put a little lip gloss on and, and just wear something nice. Don't wear a hoodie. And, you know, making sure that you're out there with what represents your brand. I would never show up in something. I, yeah, I have yoga pants on, but <laughs> I, I have a nice top on. I And I always do jewelry. <laughs> It's like those uh, cartoons so, where it's you know, like meetings nowadays, and, and they have put, the the jacket and, but they're wearing boxers, you know, like they have a suit jacket, but <laughs> yeah. 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 For men. Yeah. yeah. These days for everybody I know, it's, it's a uh, yoga pants, top and only. tennis shoes, but you look nice on top. Yeah. Top only don't stand up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's so interesting. I think branding is such a, a, an important part of the future. I think whether you are owning a business, whether you're in a career type of setting, you know, especially if you want a leadership role, I think you have to brand yourself. And it's very interesting to think of brand in the sense of not necessarily, uh, you know, cause like when people think of brand, I think one of the things that people tend to think of is like, well, you know, it's Apple and it's like all these material aspects to branding, but really branding to me, is so much more fundamental than that. Branding to me is really how people perceive you and are, is, is your perception consistent across, you know, in different situations, you know, how do they interact with you when they're not interacting with you physically? Like if, you know, if they call you that kind of thing. So I think branding to me, if, if people could think about it more in that sense, like your, your perception or reputation, maybe even, I think that's even a better word then, yeah. you know, branding becomes a much more expansive and important thing in becoming successful. It, it does. It, um, you know, it, I, I like, I like that word, you know, it, and it's across every piece of, you know, we all talk as coaches, you know, you're building your business, you, you have built up a brand, you are the brand because you're a, the sole person in that business. But you can look at your career for people who are, who are in the corporate world the same way. You are your business and yeah. you've got to put your best brand out there. I mean, from I see a lot of um, LinkedIn profiles and I, I'm not a genius with LinkedIn profiles, but there's a way to brand yourself. There, there are people who are much better at that than I am, but you, there are ways to brand yourself on your LinkedIn profile so that you're putting it's consistent with who you are. And then when, when you have your resume, it's consistent with what is on there. Uh, it, it's a whole package. Where do you think people get hung up with creating a personal brand? What are some of the big mistakes you've seen? Or maybe even like, I guess, where people get stuck or feel frozen? It's um, definitely where they get stuck the most is not having a sense of who they are. You mm. know, they think they know who they are, but what do you want to put out there? And they're, they're a little bit wishy-washy about it and not being... Yes, this is this is who I am. This is what I want. This is what I'm building. And if you know that the direction kind of sets itself, it kind of is a self-propelled um, entity for branding. Yeah, you have to pick out colors and you have to decide all this other stuff. 
but <laughs> that that is what I see for professional women who say I brought up makeup you know I never wear makeup I don't want to wear makeup but we live in a society that is about putting your best foot forward and and we compare yes we compare ourselves to a, a lot of celebrities out there who they are on a totally different journey than the rest of us and um but you need to put your best foot forward and uh, if a little bit of lip glosses is going to make a big difference then you have to be open and that is one thing i think it comes down to as being open for change and that nobody likes change <laughs> yeah no i mean it's interesting because for me I, I definitely relate to it from a performance aspect because ultimately you know like if you're in a career i haven't had a quote-unquote career job in, in a long time i've been self-employed but it's all a performance. I mean, every time you are out there in, in the world, you know, when you're working and you're going in the boardroom, whatever people do these days, but you're performing to me, it's a performance. And it doesn't mean like mm -hmm. in an inauthentic, like, Hey, I'm trying to entertain people. Not necessarily. I'm just saying it's a performance, just like an athlete would be going and, and, and running their race and trying to do yeah. their best that they can. And so ultimately, you know, the athlete doesn't show up with crap they show up with their equipment they, they get hydrated beforehand they take maybe some supplements i mean they prepare because they want to do the best of their performance and so the same thing is with what you mentioned which is okay like if i'm if my performance is getting on zoom and talking and having a board meeting then okay what are the tools that i need for that performance to be the best okay well i need my you know nice suit whatever i need you know a, a good internet connection you know whatever right so i think it's all that all that stuff together is your brand. You know, it's, it's, it's other people's ability to trust you. Right. I mean, that's really what it comes down yeah. to. Yeah. It's, it's really the, about trust. the like and the trust factor. And part of it is um, being able to trust yourself that you, yeah. you can do this and you can put your best foot forward. You know, I, I know when I was interviewing years ago that, after every interview, it was, I felt like I was on a performance stage always yeah. and did, but I brought all of the tools. I had my PowerPoint. I had folders for everyone. I knew everyone's name beforehand. I, I was over-prepared and I was exhausted after, but yeah, I, <laughs> I had the best performance ever. <laughs> What's been one of the best investments that you've made for your personal brand? For my personal brand. Um, when I was um, starting out, I worked with a company called The Proof and they uh, do what is called The Proof Stage. And it's a three and a half minute video and telling your story. And I told the seventh grade story on that proof stage. Nice. And uh, it was an exciting day. It was an exciting um, process something that was outside my comfort zone. So talk about not being confident, you know, when you do something for the first time, you're never confident in doing it. You have to do it a few times. Yeah. Well, that day we, we did that. I did a photo shoot by the photo shoot. I was very confident and very felt great. Yeah. And then um, did some more videos, teaching videos. And it was just the best experience and, and well worth it. And it was, it was starting a journey and out of that day came so much creativity and so many other ideas. We started the confidence success circle after that, or I did, um, giving confidence tips and emails once a week. And now that has what is leading to this new book project. So cool. it just, it, sparked so What's much. the title of your book? It's Boss Up and Crushing Your Confidence in Every Aspect of Your Life. Cool. That's exciting. You said it's going to come out uh, later this year in the fall. Yeah, in the fall. In the fall. Yeah, cool. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. So, you know, that was the one thing that I think sparked everything and um, really prepared me to move forward. Um, and, you know, 
I, I'm very confident that there are things when you take on new things that you're not confident in doing and you yeah. have to push yourself to do it anyway. And um, because that's the only way you're going to grow. Love it. Well, what are you most grateful for today, Cherie? What am I most grateful for? Today was getting waking up to a beautiful sunrise and and seeing that i i don't take that for granted every day um that we are um we've had a blank lot behind our house for three years that we've lived here and we always knew uh, the city we live in the town little town is growing leaps and bounds and it's going away they're building um, apartments behind us in the summer and so that sunrise i won't be able to see it like i do now so every morning i'm just really grateful for that and the feeling i get of being here All right, all right. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview. You know, being confident is so much more than what we see as the obvious stuff, like, you know, standing tall, parading around, whatever the common conception of confidence is. But, you know, it's more about what's on the inside, right? The internal stories you tell yourself, the beliefs you have about your own ability, your own self-doubt and how you balance that out with action, you know, that's really what it's all about. So I hope this episode has given you some power, some tools, some different new ways of thinking so that you can unlock some of that for yourself. You know, all of our own journey is very different. And the things that, uh, you know, I'm confident about, maybe for you, it's very scary and vice versa. You know, some of the things that are easy for you may be terrifying to me. So ultimately, we all have a different journey, but the principles are the same. And so I hope that this episode has helped you unlock some of that for yourself. If you want to stay in touch with Cherie, I'm going to post the link again if you want to book a session with her, a 30-minute session, and see where that will take you. I'm going to post a link for that on the episode notes. This is episode 241. Let's not forget that awesome quote from the beginning. The best way to gain self-confidence is to do what you are afraid to do. Swanti Sharma was the editor-in-chief of Vox at some point. But, you know, it's so true right? You know, these are sometimes very simple quotes, but sometimes it's what we need to remind ourselves. It's like, yeah, sometimes I just need to do what I'm afraid to do. That's it. It's like that other quote from James, uh, not James, but John Wayne. There you go. Yeah. Courage is having fear, but saddling up anyway, right? You know, you start to memorize quotes after doing a podcast. I know like a thousand quotes now, but you know, it's, it's really the same thing. It's, you don't have to eliminate fear to act. And that's really the key to gaining self-confidence. So hope you've enjoyed. Thank you so much, as always, for being here. You know, I'm reminded every day of the importance of self-doubt and balancing that with courage and confidence. And I'm very grateful to share this conversation with you. Hope you guys have an amazing weekend and look forward to seeing you on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. As always, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.